The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast where Adam, Jeff, and Jeremy invite you on a cinematic journey to create prequels, sequels, and reboots to your favorite movie franchises. Joined by special guests along the way. Sequel Quest is go for launch, so let the adventure begin now. Hey there, fake movie fans, and welcome to this fourth quarter edition of Sequel Quest. We've been studying our playbook and enduring two-a-day practices to get ready for this summer sequel series that we're calling a Fantasy Football Film Festival. No, we're not drafted Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, or Deion Sanders onto our team to win an imaginary bracket of games. Can you tell when I stop paying attention to the NFL? <laughs> Instead, we are pitching sequels to football movies that never got a second down. That works, right? Huh? Allow me to introduce you to our gridiron gladiators of cinema. First up is a man who's always gonna win this one for the Gipper. Tape up those knees and get out there, Jeff. It is true, it's me. Next is a man who always reminds us that football is 80% mental and 40% physical, though he might need to work on his math skills. It's Jeremy. I mean, we're just going to overtime with that math. <laughs> and that brings me to my next point. Don't do crack. I'm Adam. <laughs> That's my point of reference for football films. That's we're good. to the point of don't do crack? <laughs> comments yeah. on this show yeah. wow adam yeah. hey well, our, you know? our audience is six years older now so yeah. <laughs> well we don't In want them to range. do more crack <laughs> uh, for those of you who have been wondering hey where's sequel quest no, we weren't in a TRN lockout situation, and we didn't have a Joe Theismann-like injury to recover from. We've just done so many movies at this point, we had a hard time coming up with a new play, so to speak. That is, until we landed on football movies as a topic. So as has been well documented on past episodes like The Mighty Ducks, Space Jam, and Field of Dreams, I know next to nothing about sports, and I care even less. But these two jocks on the podcast have spent more hours watching sports than Ryan Leaf has incomplete passes. Sports! Huh? Ryan, uh... You know, I, li I live in the world of retro things, and I hear people talk about playing Tecmo Bowl or Madden for their home video game consoles, and I'm as lost as the Chicago Bears without Mike Ditka. Sports! Uh, oh. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've hung out at Jeff's house back in the 90s waiting for a UCLA college football game to be over so we could finally watch a movie about not sports. I was as bored as the crowd at a Patriots versus Rams Super Bowl game. Sports! Why What? Oh. I looked it up. That's the worst Super Bowl ever. Was it? Well... But they played like three Super Bowls. But this uh, <laughs> this is make up for all of these times that we've been talking about really bad 80s movies or Shelley Long. This is make up. <laughs> this is your comeuppance, my friend. But Jeff and Jeremy, I've heard it said that American football is the most boring big league sport to watch live. Would you agree? Who said this? I, I've heard it said in many places. Yeah, soccer fan. Did you just say this yourself? <laughs> 
Is that what this is? I don't speak for the world, Jeff. The world speaks to me, and I listen. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about that. I mean, especially because there is, like, golf. There's things like... Highlight is highlight boring or exciting? What is highlight? I don't even know what that is. Oh, that's the one where they throw the ball against the. It's like basically racquetball, but with like a cone. But you said major sports, right? Amer- major American sports. Correct. I don't know. I have. I've never heard that, Jeremy. I've only heard that from soccer fans. So. <laughs> And and uh, that's pretty boring as well. So. Uh, of the live sports you've attended. Is football number one on your list, or what would you prefer to go see? I mean, I'm a big baseball fan, but I guess I appreciate of, if we're going to talk about, like, the the four major sports, which would be baseball, basketball, football, and hockey, I'd say for me what's so fascinating is they're all so different, not only in style of play, but speed of play, where football is, like, Go, go, stop. Go, go, stop. Go, go, stop. Whereas basketball is kind of go, 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 go. And baseball is kind of like, da, na, 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 hit. And that's fine. Like, for me, I can't go back and forth. I can't flip between a baseball game and a basketball game or even a football game because the pace is so different. So boring, at least to me, I feel like that's that doesn't really register with me personally. Well, then let, let me ask you this, guys, because, you know, there are so many baseball movies out there. There are a handful of hockey movies out there. You know, you, you have a, a quite a few basketball movies. I mean, Joanna Man, The Air Up There, Slam Dunk <laughs> Ernest. These are great basketball films. <laughs> but has football been properly represented on the big screen for you guys and are there movies that you think are held in high esteem like because because i always think about like you know based on a true story so you know remember the titans or invincible or maybe a true story rudy you know so like so where, where do you guys fall when you go to check out a football film i mean i think you nailed like well you yeah especially considering your basketball film knowledge i think you did much better with the football films (laughs) i mean like the classic one would be like the longest yard the original one brian's song i feel like there's actually a ton of football movies what was the warren Beatty? they remade uh heaven can wait about the football player who dies and comes back to life or whatever yeah like you said rudy I'm a I'm a sucker for Rudy. That would always be to get me into football mood. I would always want to watch Rudy, even though the movie itself is not as much about football as it is about the individual. Jeremy, what about you? Like, when you think of a football film, is there one specifically that comes to mind that is not part of your pitch for tonight? That's just like, oh, well, that's the one everybody knows. Well, I mean, Friday Night Lights is a Ooh. pretty solid one there. Varsity Lots of Blues. Football action. Varsity Blues. I don't want oh. your life. Really? That's Vanderbeek, right? Varsity Blues? <laughs> yeah, Vanderbeek. <laughs> so wait, going back to Friday Night Lights, is Friday Night Lights better as a movie or a TV show? I have not seen the TV show. Okay, because I feel like it's maybe bigger as a TV Well, it, I mean, Friday Night Lights, the movie, didn't get a sequel, right? But the series went on for a couple right. seasons. It's true. So I guess that answers the question. But, you know, like, there's also, like, the outliers that deal with football, right? Like, we've covered the Ace Ventura Pet Detective on the show before, and that's technically 
technically a football movie that is all about the Miami uh, Dolphins. Yes. Dan Marino, the bad guy, was a, a kicker. You know what I'm saying? So, like, everything in yeah. that movie is football. But it depends on how, I mean, a football movie, if it's a movie that contains some form of sports, like, I don't know that that makes it a football movie. But, I mean, yeah, having connections to the football game. One could say, like, The Blind Side. Like, was The Blind Side right. about football? Well, I mean, he was a football player, but, you know, and, and, and it's it's always that thing with sports movies. I think the really great ones, eh, well, I don't know if I can go that far. Lots of the great sport movies are not actually about the sport itself, but mm-hmm. about a, a human interest story connected to the sport. Yeah, because I'm wondering, like, is there is there a football film about playing football? You know, like, isn't, like, Hoosiers kind of more about playing basketball, yeah. sort of? I mean, Little that's giants. Friday Night Lights. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go to that sort of, yeah, you got that. I mean, again, Friday Night Lights is about the team. Um, Longest Yard is about the team. The Replacements is about the team. So so there are ones that are the, you know, and that's usually even, isn't there a Bad News Bears one where they play football? I feel like there is. Isn't that Little Giants? Isn't that what you just said? Yeah, it's basically right. what Little Giants. But I thought they made a there was a different one that was about. But either way, yeah, yeah, that whole thing about lovable losers that somehow win. That's always an easy sport movie pitch. Yeah, and like one that came to mind for me, I heard about this movie forever, and that was The Last Gus? Boy Scout. Not Gus. <laughs> oh, Gus. The Last Boy Scout. Yeah, but The Last Boy because on the cover, David Wayans is holding a football. He's, you know, a disgraced <laughs> football player. And I was like, it's a football movie. The opening scene, a guy on a football field literally oh. shoots people down. Like, And I watched that movie for the first time to see if it would work. And I was like, this is a depressing film. Shane Black, what are you doing? So like, I was like... It'd be like talking about uh, The Dark Knight Rises. I mean, yes, there is a football scene, but does that <laughs> yes. make it a football movie? Well, the problem to me with that, if I can just go out a Shane Black tangent here, is it seemed like he was trying to recreate the, you know, the, I was going to say the naked gun, the lethal weapon format. You know, he's like, oh, you're just yeah. teaming up these two unlikely guys, and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, the problem was in Lethal Weapon, you had Danny Glover, who's like the family man in, you know, as a contrast to Riggs. The last Boy Scout is just like Riggs split in two. You have two Riggs in that film. And I'm like, no, that's no good. <laughs> You're right. They didn't get the formula right. You have to have a Riggs and a straight man. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and they got a lousy title for the movie, too. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, I mean, football has a lot of human interest stories yeah. in, in the movies that have been t- shown, like Marshall. That's a great human interest yeah. story. Most of the team dies in a plane crash, and then they have to piece together a football team to go out and play and surprisingly do okay. I mean, then you get into Radio, another good one. Radio is a football movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. An- another one I almost did was a Disney movie. The garbage-picking, field-goal-kicking Philadelphia Phenomenon. <laughs> what? Tony Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's the, that's oh. the full title. Playing off of a, a true story type thing. I'm somewhat surprised, Adam, you didn't go with Necessary Roughness. Because that's kind of... That and The Longest Yard are kind of considered the, the kind of like classic 
football comedies. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of in that same vein. It was like Major League came out, and then yeah. they made Necessary Roughness. Yeah, so I, I think they were just trying to recreate the formula. I have a screener copy of that movie that was sent to the video store owners to say, hey, you should order this to rent in your store. And I have a copy of it, but I haven't watched it. So I know Kathy Ireland's in it. I know Sinbad is in it. And that's all I know about Necessary Roughness. So. Got Bacula. Oh, Bacula. Uh, Bacula's the quarterback. <laughs> well, and this is my question for you guys. You know, aside from films about football, you know, are there crossover stars from the NFL two movies or just professional football in general because for example in the 80s early 90s you had brian the boz bosworth he had a stone cold he had a, he had a bunch of movies like he was supposed to be the next arnold is how they were you know direct to video arnold was the boz you know uh, you had howie long doing movies dan marino like we said was was in a couple movies i don't think he was only in ace ventura i, I think i remember him popping up in something else but then like dwayne the rock johnson played college football and then for the Canadian Football League before getting full-time into wrestling. So can you guys think of any other, like, crossover, like, football players who became actors? I mean, Lawrence Taylor's done a lot of stuff. He'd probably be... Also became a wrestler, briefly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's the other way around from The Rock, where The Rock is clearly much better known as a wrestler than he was a football player. Same thing with, like, Bill Goldberg, who was yeah. briefly a lousy football player and then became <laughs> a big deal. I feel like... Who am I thinking about? There's some like quarterbacks that have a lot of personality. The one that I will throw out, not necessarily as a movie star, but just as he should be, is if you have ever seen any of those nationwide commercials with Peyton Manning, the man is a genius. <laughs> I love it. Oh, he is his timing is 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 perfect and he was always such a likable person on the field like even when he do post-game interviews and stuff is that now yeah it's almost it's almost better Th those are the ones where he's always with that country music star brad paisley yeah yeah and brad paisley is not great but he doesn't need to be he just kind of like looks baffled at <laughs> lifestyle and it's just it's perfect we are in a band <laughs> <laughs> yeah because yeah, yeah it's interesting there there doesn't seem to be like you know a lot of them you know maybe become a commentator or a spokesperson but getting into the world of acting seems few and far between from football the big one though is sadly oj simpson He's, ah, he's the big... I didn't even think about that, yeah. With naked gun movies and stuff like that. But some of the other ones that I'm sh I think people would recognize... I mean, now in Expendables, right? So I think Howie Long... Is Howie Long and Terry Bradshaw in that? They're kind of around a lot. Yeah, Terry Bradshaw was in that Failure to Launch movie. I remember he played somebody's dad. Oh, yeah! He was the dad. He was McConaughey's dad. Well, the one that you should probably know, Adam, Bubba Smith. Oh, yes. Police Academy movies. Of course. Yeah, he's he's a legend in football. He also had an aerobics video in the 80s, and it is very concerning. He is constantly telling the viewer that he loves them. I want you to know that I love you, and we're going to get through this. And you're like, what? Bubba? <laughs> what do you have planned for this video? <laughs> 
So this is the thing then. So as we started discussing this, we said, do we want to focus on one movie? And we said, no, there's so many possibilities out there. We've, we've listed off a lot of football films, but not each one of us, the football films we're actually going to be pitching a sequel for. So Jeff, you may have spilled the beans slightly, but why don't you tell us what you selected for this episode? Yeah, I selected my, my uh, guilty pleasure football movie, which is The Replacements. And um, I, I don't know what it is about that move. In fact, I, I, maybe I do. Is that it's not a good like the like the performances are not good. All that I do feel like the football action in it is surprisingly good. Uh, a lot of football movies don't have great football action, but yeah, that one always gets me. And the one that really grabbed me as I was looking into it is that it is loosely based on a really fascinating story about the 1987 replacement players. And that if you guys have seen the movie, the replacements, Keanu Reeves, that whole thing is that it almost, I mean, like they, the Washington football team literally went out and recruited. I mean, they got uh, a guy who was a high school teacher. They got one who was a uh, working in finance they got another guy who was living with his parents. They got one guy who was a security guard at a 7-Eleven. Uh, two guys that were teaching gym. One guy who was actually in prison at the time. And this is like literally what happened in 87. Washington recruited this team of misfits. They went out and they won all three of their games. And then after the strike was over, uh, Washington went on to win the Super Bowl that year. And so, um, yeah, I found that even more fascinating what it's based on. Wow. Yeah. See, that that's what I haven't seen. I only knew because of like Keanu Reeves did a football movie. That was like before the Keanu sense, you know, before we got to this moment right. in time where he's this kind of his, his down period. He's doing the replacements. He's doing hardball. He's doing, you know, kind of these uh -huh. random films. Is Orlando Jones in that, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, an early one. I think he was still on Mad TV at the time. Yeah, see, that's what I was gonna say. I always, whenever Orlando Jones pops up, oh, he's in Evolution. Oh, he's, you know, like I'm always, I always keep an eye out for Orlando Jones. Yeah, yeah, I think he was the big star to come. And I mean, the movie, like it was. I mean, not only Keanu Reeves, who was the big name, but Gene Hackman was the coach. Orlando Jones, John Favreau is in it. Reeves, if Ifan, Ifan from Notting Hill, he's in it. Like it's, it's a fairly, I don't know if I'd say star-studded but got some surprising stars in it, I guess. Yeah, well then tell us, what do you have planned next for The Replacements? All right, so I am pitching The Replacements to post-game. Maybe a better title could be used. But right now, that was the most obvious one. So we're going to open with a montage from the first movie, you know, some of the exploits and them winning those games. Uh, and then after the montage and the credits, do a slow zoom or whatever, in on Shane Falco, who is now a high school football coach. So we're going to follow this for uh, a little bit as he's coaching. And at the end of the practice, he's approached by a reporter who said that ESPN wants to make a 30 for 30 documentary about the replacement players. Falco has no interest. It's it's in the past. He's moved on. So the reporter kind of goes on to seek out the other replacement players. He finds Franklin, uh, Orlando Jones's character, is uh, running a, like an NFL academy for up-and-coming draft picks. The Jackson boys are now bodyguards for Drake. Murphy is the one that kind of went on to do things later in the NFL. 
uh, and then he went to NFL Europe, and now he's a GM. And so they're all kind of splintered all over the place. They can't really get a foothold on getting them all interested in making this 30 for 30. They reach out to Coach McGinty, and he's actually been coaching the Washington football team, I guess, for like 10 more years. So he is retired, but he won't talk to them at all. So then we kind of go back to Shane, and Shane and Annabelle are now married, and Annabelle convinces Shane that he needs to talk. This is kind of like a, a chip that he's been carrying around. So he does call up ESPN, and he is the one that gets the gang back together for this documentary but they're not able to get Coach McGinty. So they get the gang back together, and uh, they kind of are reflecting on their experience. And some of them that are now connected with the NFL, so I would see, like, uh, again, Murphy is now with NFL Europe. Cochran is now a, uh, a scout for the NFL. And then Franklin, again, has this academy. So they're very pro-union, so they're very anti that time where we were scabs against the union, which obviously breeds some conflict. And so as they're having this discussion, like the Jackson boys are, you know, getting up in Franklin's face because he's sold out and on and on and on. And so then to kind of wrap up the discussion, they show a video from Coach McGinty, because that's the one thing is that the, the team, even though that team went off to win the Super Bowl, the replacement players didn't get Super Bowl rings. So that's like the final question that everybody is grumpy about. So they show a video of Coach McGinty and he says, I don't think they do deserve rings. And some of them are outraged as soon as they see this video. Some of them are, you know, kind of have understanding. Well, you know, he's the coach and the union and all of that. Uh, but Shane doesn't say anything. Fast forward uh, a couple of months and then it's the watch party for the debut of the 30 for 30. And it just explodes. It's on social media, on ESPN, on Twitter. Twitter, you know, like everything, it's so huge. People talking about this again. And there, uh, we watch a segment on First Take. And Max Kellerman says that not only does, do we deserve to be talking about these replacement players, I bet you that replacement team could beat our current Redskins. Uh, and then the camera kind of goes back to Shane and he goes, you know what? You're right. And so then they decide to challenge the current Redskins team to a game the week before the Super Bowl, because of course the Washington football team is not going to make the Super Bowl. So the, the week in between the Super Bowl and the, 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 the playoffs, uh, which is only two weeks away, and if the replacement players can win this game, then they will get their Super Bowl rings. So they go out and recruit back the old team, which... One, everybody's now 20 years older than they were, so that's obviously already a problem. Two, Wilkinson, who was the convict, he actually died. Cochran, who is the, the running back, who's now a scout, he won't because he's got conflicts about that. So they need to find some new people to kind of plug in these extra spots. So they go out and find some more people, and two people in particular, they find a backup quarterback who kind of has a similar story to Shane, except for his thing was that he was always told he was too small to go into the NFL, so he never got his big chance. And then they get a wide receiver who is lightning fast like Franklin was, but not terribly bright. He can't quite grasp 
the different patterns and the, all of those sort of things. So practices began. They're going really poorly. Falco is really struggling because he's not only the quarterback, but he's also trying to coach at the same time. He can't quite do the same. So the week leading up to the big game, they do a scrimmage against Falco's high school team. And they're just embarrassed by these high school kids that, yes, are much smaller, and but they're much more disciplined and they're running plays and everything like that. So the night before the big game McGinty calls up Shane and said that like it broke his heart to say what he did but he had to because of all of the union players that he coached they just wouldn't understand so it gives him some little I don't know inspirational talk about being a coach or something like that so then on the game day that actually comes Shane decides he's gonna step aside and just coach and let the uh, the kid who was too small take over and be the quarterback. So then we have the actual game. Again, it's like these old guys. I mean, not too old. They're like, you know, in their 40s or whatever. But still, they're too old compared to these actual pros. And so it's kind of like in the first one, there's kind of the up and down. But then you get, obviously, like the miracle players because they just want to prove it so bad. And the other team is kind of arrogant. And so, they, of course, they end up winning at the buzzer. And then they're presented with their rings. Wow. Hey, I, I, I got to tell you, Jeff, at first I was like, uh-oh. So you're doing a movie about the making of a documentary? <laughs> <laughs> and then you pulled the twist out. And I was like, ooh, I like that. They got to get their respect to earn their rings. I love it. Right. Which, by the way, in, in the real world, I mean, the 30 for 30 did actually come out about the 1987 replacement players. And then in 2018, they did actually get their rings, but they didn't have to play a game to win. All right. Well, so you said that was a film you probably watched many times, a guilty pleasure for you. I will admit, my film, I had never seen, despite the fact that it is ubiquitous in the world of VHS collecting. <laughs> Every single thrift store you go to, you will find multiple copies of this movie. It, I've seen it so many times, I'm blind to it now. I do not pay attention. I do not own it, because I just said, I just, I, it's like Titanic. It's just like, it's always there i don't need it uh and that film is jerry Maguire. now you might debate jeff like you said well there's some football in it and i think that is true now th th this is a film i'll just give my review real quick you know obviously I, I had heard show me the money you completely has been mocked a million times in the world of comedy and it was just one of those things where i was like yeah i mean it just it doesn't interest me i'm not a huge tom cruise fan and when i watched this movie it reminded me why i was like oh he's supposed to be like this guy who gets a conscience and he's really lovable now and, he, and he's he's standing up for what's right and i didn't believe him at all like i don't trust tom cruise so like there's just there's something behind the eyes of tom cruise that i just don't trust so when i see him in that kind of role i'm like nope nope there's no sincerity here that being the case like that colored my viewing of the picture but what i did know going in also is this is the film that made cuba gooding jr a star you know, this is this is where he jumped onto the stage in a big way. I mean, obviously he had done you know Boys in the Hood and stuff, but but this was like the you know the, the big adult jumping off point for him. So and so I said, well, I don't know 
that this would ever get, you know, an actual sequel, although Cameron Crowe has been approached, and he just said, well, I got other sequels I want to work on instead. <laughs> but I just said, you know, I think Rod needs the spotlight here. But who wants to give Kuva Gooding Jr. the spotlight? For some reason in my universe, it is the Lifetime Network. And they are going to sponsor, they want to get ahead of Netflix, they want to compete with Amazon and HBO Max for original programming, and so they have created Rod, a Jerry Maguire story. So Rod Tidwell is moving into his final season of the $11.2 million contract with the Arizona Cardinals, secured by Jerry Maguire in the first film. He and Jerry have become very close friends over the last few years, but they have a falling out when the well-meaning agent tries to convince Rod that certain family and friends are taking advantage of his wealth. If Rod keeps spending at this rate, it'll leave the football star with very little money to provide for his own family during the next 50 years of life after football. Bottom line... No one Rod is supporting now will have the means to return the favor after his bank account is emptied. And so Rod just feels like that Jerry wants to put more money in his own pocket and he's getting a little suspicious. But Rod then begins to wonder if Jerry was right when Rod's cousin Andre asks for the money to buy an expensive house. And upon Rod's refusal, attempts to blackmail the athlete with threats of telling news outlets Tidwell has an illegitimate child he has been, quote, neglecting all these years. Rod Rod kicks Andre out of his house and begins to investigate. Could it be true? Rod attempts to meet his daughter, Vanessa, who has been raised by her grandmother after the girl's mother, Rod's high school girlfriend, Kia, died of cancer a decade before. She had always said that her daughter was from another boyfriend. And Rod inquires as to why he was never told about their child, which the grandmother reveals was because Kia loved him so much she didn't want to interrupt his dreams of being a star in the NFL and just assumed he had moved on. Rod makes attempts then to win Vanessa's love with expensive gifts like he's been doing with everyone else in his life, but the intelligent, thoughtful girl makes it clear that all she really wants is a father to share her life with, not a rich stranger. Vanessa suffers from anxiety and has a panic attack while attending one of Rod's games, so they begin finding private activities like painting and hiking to build their bond. Rod admits he wishes he could have held her as a baby and, and been there to support her all these years instead of pursuing his own dreams. He says he'd like to believe he would have had he known. Just when the father daughter enjoying a real relationship, Andre breaks the story to the media for a fee, which causes the press to begin hounding Vanessa and throwing her anxiety into overdrive to the point where she has to be hospitalized. Rod hears about all this during halftime at an important playoff game and leaves the stadium without authorization from the coach to confront Andre. Luckily, Jerry shows up to help keep his friend and client from making a mistake that will lead to major legal trouble, saying, if you want to hit someone, hit me! I'm not pressing charges, but you could bet he will, and just like he planned, he'll take everything you work so hard for away from you, your family, and Vanessa. Rod and Jerry reconnect as friends after this incident, with Rod apologizing for doubting Jerry's intentions. Meanwhile, Rod spends time with Vanessa as she comes home from the hospital, and Jerry launches a counter-campaign in the media, pushing Rod as a loving father who has taken to this role, but Andre is getting all the attention by dragging Rod's name through the mud continuously as a deadbeat dad. The film's climax finds a horde of media coming to Grandma's house, with Jerry and Rod getting angry that they're going to create more anxiety for Vanessa, 
but surprisingly, she reveals that she made the call. She steps out onto the porch to make a statement to the scandal-hungry press. Vanessa confidently takes down Andre in front of the cameras, stating that if he knew all along, he could have told Rod about having a daughter, instead of using the info for his own personal gain, and maybe they should go back and look at who they got their information from, because he's a deadbeat himself, blah blah blah, stuff like that. And this causes the blackmail artist to slink away in shame. She then turns to praise her father, who did all he could to become the male role model she needed in her life. Finally, Vanessa reveals a painting she made of Rod, holding her as a baby. In the end, we see Rod's wife and kids come to invite Vanessa to a family barbecue, and Jerry is back in the fold as well, as credits roll. Rod, a Jerry Maguire story. Oh, I told that to my wife. She's like, so this is a Lifetime movie? I'm like, yes, this is a Lifetime movie. Lifetime movie. Right. Melodrama. Right, you talk about me. <laughs> Do I talk about you? What did I say about you? Well, as in, as in you're going to make a movie about the making of a documentary. Well, you made a sports movie about life and struggles of... A being a father and a football player. Yes. since i have no investment in the game of football i had to prove yeah i could tell a sort of emotional story not just make it a joke (laughs) mostly a joke all right jeremy what do you got for us well a lot of good movies were taken a lot of other ones we've rightly ragged on here and i thought about Waterboy. couldn't come to a way of getting a sequel out of that. And I doubt Adam Sandler wants to go back to the Bayou on that one. <laughs> so I've settled on kind of a lesser known film, I guess. The 1988 Johnny B. Good. Wow. Anthony Michael Hall. And Robert Downey Jr., Uma Thurman, Paul Gleason, quite the cast. So basically, uh, Hall, he plays the fictitious quarterback that is the lead recruit coming out of high school everybody and their dog wants him to attend their school and they are willing to do just about anything to get him there from hot girls cars cash free room and board and more and so all the attention obviously goes to the kid's head he starts making he goes from being a straight-laced kid to making some poor decisions winding up in some compromising positions and in the end he winds up making the best choice as they take down the whole corruption ring across most of the NCAA. And so we just kind of see Johnny riding off into the sunset, signing on with some college that wasn't really pursuing him much, but he just wanted an opportunity to play football and to get an education. So like best of both worlds without all of the the noise going on. And so I would pick it up here now 35 years later where we begin the movie with an overview just a voiceover recapping the ancient corruption scandal that happened. Video clips of people walking out in handcuffs, old video footage going through. Kind of not not quite 30 for 30 documentary, but just kind of a, a revision. And so we would have one voiceover actor carrying throughout the whole movie, tying the old past into the new as we follow a new high school recruit. Kind of a soft reboot. Similar situation, but with more modern scenarios, because there's so much more ways that 
uh, student athletes are getting into trouble with the NCAA, everything from having Twitter accounts to just receiving texts from agents or potential agents or even recruiters. So plenty more ways that we can get this kid into trouble and get him out of it. And all along, we're going to have one of the coaches be Robert Downey Jr. is coming back. He's going to play one of the coaches trying to recruit him. Not very hard, just popping in cameos every once in a while, phone calls, and everybody's kind of thinking, oh, he's going to sign with that one. It ties in. It ties into the old movie. Ties into the old movie. But at the end, the kid ends up signing with some other fictitious college where Anthony Michael Hall is the athletic director and coach there and pass on the torch. Just tie the whole thing up. And he has been our voiceover throughout the movie. I love the fact that you think you're getting Robert Downey Jr. to play the major role and Anthony Michael Hall is the surprise cameo at the end. That is very wishful thinking, but I guess Robert Downey Jr. did make that Doolittle film, so he might not well, be on anybody's <laughs> top list anymore. He, he might be looking for some money. I don't know. Maybe that Marvel money ran out. Yeah, that Marvel uh, money. The best twist on the end is to have Anthony Michael Hall sit down with the kid in his office at the end, sign him, and say, hey, kid, I've been through this as well, and just have a big old feel-good moment at the end, rather than having... RDJ do the voiceover work and tie the whole thing together and then be the cameo. I think Anthony and Michael Hall's voice is less recognizable now. He cameoed on Community yeah. multiple times. As the bully, yeah. As the bully. And I didn't recognize him at first. <laughs> <laughs> it it might have been that, that 70s cop mustache that he was rocking. At, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and the fact that he didn't get much taller than he was back in those days. Well, he's just beefier now. We're used to seeing a little yeah. skinny twig of a man, of a kid even, you know? And then, yeah, yeah, it's right. weird that he... And Ended up, you know, like in, in the the Batman films and stuff. I guess he, he was just in the Dark Knight only. But, you know, yeah. but it's just like, what he what's he doing there? Like, you wouldn't know it was him until you saw the credits. Right. But yeah, no, that's that's pretty good. Okay. And, and anybody listening out there who has watched Johnny Be Good, not just on Amazon Prime <laughs> over the last few months <laughs> that it's been on there, I want to hear from you. Like, is this a favorite football-related film? You love Johnny Be Good. Well, I mean, we, we don't need to vote on who had the best one i think these were all pretty good pitches well two good pitches and mine (laughs) there you go we gotta be fair here but yeah so But you guys tell us, you know, we want to hear on social media at SQPod, which of these films are you just clamoring for? What football movie that we have devised for you do you want to see? That's what we do here, or it's what we've been doing here. Oh yes, we are coming up on our sixth anniversary, and as some of you may have heard on the Hot Tag with Kevin Hellions, brought to you by The House Show, brought to you by The Retro Network, I did an interview there, and I did spill the beans that we are coming to a close with sequel quests yes it's been a a long journey and a fun one but all good journeys have their end and so we are in the final countdown if you have been watching our social media and so if there are those of you who have been listening to the show silently all these years and you want your chance to pitch a movie sequel prequel or reboot find us on social media reach out to us we would love to hear from you and if it seems like a film 
film that we too could participate in in a great way that we will invite you on we only have so many shows left so we're going to try to bring back some of our favorite guests and just uh, you know celebrate the fun that we've had over all these years but I did mention also if anybody wants to uh, you know purchase a franchise and to continue it on a sequel to sequel quest <laughs> you just let us know if you think you've got what it takes it's not that we don't love doing the show together and don't love the format it's just you know sometimes things run their course and when they're not getting bigger they just are what they are you know let's let's wrap it up while it's still fun so we thank you all for joining us for this episode we thank the retro network for being our home they are so good to us and until next time hit the showers that's what they say sports hit the showers that's that's not the famous thing that every coach says in a football movie i mean if it's time to go take a shower yes <laughs> all right We thank you for listening to this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to continue the fake movie fun on social media. Submit your ideas for future episodes to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com or SQPod on Twitter. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.